Another issue, I think, with communicating about masturbation is something that I call the genie problem. You know how if you are the lucky recipient of a magic genie lamp, you're allowed to rub it and make just three wishes. Mm. Um, I think women often feel that they have a limit to how much they're allowed to ask for when it comes to rubbing as well. Um, I hear from a lot of folks who say, well, you know, me and my partner... Uh, we'd already chosen this sex toy together and I was really chuffed that he or or she was willing to give that a go. Uh, And then they were focusing on me in the bedroom, so I felt like I'd already, you know, I was Mm. already getting the attention and they were doing me that favour, not that it should be a favour, but a lot of people are keeping score in their heads of how many things their partner is doing to please them. Uh, And then I told my partner that the angle they were holding the toy at wasn't quite right, so could they just nudge it a little bit to the left and Mm. down? And by that point, they put it on a really freaking annoying pulse setting that that made me feel like I was just sitting on a David Guetta song. (laughs) 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 It was doing nothing for me, but I felt like I'd already asked for three things and that I couldn't ask for any more. That's your genie problem. I think Mm. women in particular find that there's a limit to how much that they feel comfortable comfortable asking for so these are still hurdles that we need to get over I think Mm. we don't don't need to just talk about more about masturbation more and normalize that we need to normalize Mm long-standing conversations in the same way that we are establishing that consent isn't just a chat that you have once it's an ongoing form of communication that needs to be the case with all kinds of sex yeah yeah I think that's the thing like I'm I've in a I guess it is a long term now like three year relationship and yeah that's long term yeah, yeah I guess it is long term and <laughs> I don't know why I felt the need to you know, <laughs> well, give nice my blessing there yeah, yeah. <laughs> like some kind of sex priest <laughs> yes um, my child that is a long yeah. term I anoint you with the oil <laughs> thank you <laughs> oil of commitment um, yeah so we we have very like open channels but you know we, I desire, I used to use a vibrator all the time, and then I was, and then about you know a month, six weeks ago, I realised I stopped using my vibrator, and I was like, why did I stop using my vibrator? So we bought a new one, and we did the thing that you said, where I just showed him how I used it on myself, because yeah. actually I was like, to be honest, you're not going to get it. Like it's very complex. Yeah, I'll just what show was the you how vibrator? to do it. Um, it was a Smile Makers oh. Fireman. I love the colours. It's got like a little tip at the top. Yeah. I used it with um, our Hanks lubricant, which is launching soon. I got early access to that lube, so I was like, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this right now. I was about to say, subtle plug. (laughs) You haven't told me that a plug was involved. (laughs) Only a vibrator so far. Yeah. So and it's you know it's it's great. I bloody love that thing. And and he was a bit you know I think sometimes guys feel like oh if they get a vibrator they're going to replace me in some sense or is that going to do a better job than I can? But it's actually like really change the way that we have sex and it's nice you know or we use it afterwards or something it's just like another element to add to the sexual experience yeah and I think if he understands how to use it that's when it can actually that's when you use it together but if you never show them then how are they going to know and it's so frustrating isn't it when you think I'm so close to this being a really dreamy sexual experience I've found this lovely person who is using the toy that we chose together but then just not holding it in quite right. the right yeah. spot for me. And I've, I'm guilty of that. I've definitely felt like I can't ask for more. So mm. I applaud you, Thank you. <laughs> for for having that, as you say, those open channels of communication. Mm. Yeah. I think it can be difficult sometimes, mm. arguably more difficult in certain contexts, to talk about switching things up 
in the bedroom when you've been in a long-term relationship, Definitely. particularly if you are, um, oh, I don't want to say guilty, if you have um, limaxed in the past, oh, if oh, you have, if you have put <laughs> yeah. on a bit of a fogasm show, um, <laughs> there's lots of reasons why people <laughs> lie about whether or not they've hit orgasm. And it's a myth that only women do it. Definitely men do it too. Um, sometimes because if they're tired or stressed or taking SSRIs, for example, certain mm. forms of antidepressant can um, make it really hard to come. Um, or uh, that sex that night isn't just just isn't doing it for whatever reason, but they fear their partner will think it's a personal judgment on yeah. their attract that how attractive they are mm. if they don't manage to hit that peak. Um, I, men definitely fib sometimes it's easier to do if you're wearing a condom although I have heard from people who say that they've been having sex doggy style and um, spat on their partner's back to try and pretend that they've ejaculated no. because they didn't feel like they could say but that's that not anything like cum spit it doesn't even have the same it's, it's not going to feel the same it's it not certainly have the doesn't same make the same noise can you imagine if penises <laughs> at the peak like, just went <laughs> <laughs> Jesus oh Christ I mean wow. I mean a lot more people just became lesbian if you're wondering <laughs> like, if you were teetering on the edge of whether you are or you're not the idea of like a, a phlegmy phallus has just tipped you <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. oh my goodness um, but yeah if you've been fibbing for whatever reason for a long time no matter what your gender is mm. um, it can be even more trepidatious to tell your partner that you want to switch things up because it's kind of an admission that you've been mm. you've been not honest about how well things are going in the past. Um, I was recently at Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival. What is my life? <laughs> <laughs> what is Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival? Cheltenham is... I thought that was just where the races were. I no it's, it's, they have races and literary festivals. <laughs> and apparently now, wellbeing festivals right. where I go and talk about men spitting on women's bags. So, <laughs> uh, literature, yes. Um, Cheltenham is one of the most well-manicured places that I've ever been. There are foot fetishists' toes that are jealous of quite how beautifully pedicured that place is. Um, but yeah, Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival is, um, uh, I think it's a week-long event where people get together to talk about health and uh, mindfulness and sex as part of that. And I'm really glad that they did include that. Um, and I was on a panel with um, Laura, who's the, uh, she's a photographer who's famous for doing the 100 Vaginas Project. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, womanhood and manhood. Um, and Nikki Hodgson, who's the author of The Curious History of Dating. Yeah. Um, and another really wonderful woman whose name I can't remember, so we'll have to come back to that at the end so I don't look like an asshole. It was also Lucy Ann Holmes, who's the author of Don't Hold My Head Down. Um, and we were trying to ascertain whether it is permissible, if you've been fibbing about your orgasm for a long time, to use an excuse. Um, I call it scapegoating. There are lots and lots of reasons why your body's response to a form of stimulation might legitimately change. change yeah. What point you're at in your menstrual cycle, whether you're pregnant, whether you're going through the menopause, whether you're under stress, whether you're tired, uh, whether you're taking antihistamines, which can dry up your down belows. Really? Yeah, they're designed to stop certain glands producing yeah. a 
so much moisture so they stop your that nose dripping. I've been taking they... that for sleep. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've already covered antidepressants. Um, if you've changed your like your uh, work or your diet, I, oh, loads and loads yeah. of things can legitimately mean that something that used to make your pink bits dance um, now lo- no longer gets your twat doing the tango. Um, and I actually think it is okay to use one of those as a scapegoat, as an excuse to get you, your partner to change things. You could say, hey, I've noticed that um, in the last few weeks, perhaps because of uh, my cycle or something, I'm not having the same response to this touch that, that I used to. Can we try something new? Mm. Yes, it's not radical honesty. But I think when we're talking about yeah. sex, we need to admit that not everybody is ready to yeah. be the I utopian agree. ideal. <laughs> Um, it would, we should work on that long yeah. term. But I think uh, the, the the shyer women or the women in, in more tricky situations, mm. arguably, shouldn't be shamed for finding things hard. And if we a halfway house yeah, is better than definitely. no house at all, mm, right? Definitely, yeah, mm. I agree. Agreed. So, sex education. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's talk about the vagina shaming episode. This made me laugh so much. And I love the camaraderie of the way all the girls stood up and they were like, it's my vagina. It's my it's vagina. It's my vagina. Absolutely love that. But, I mean, it really did deal with an issue that we often talk about at Hanks and we've talked about in previous episodes that, you know, a lot of women feel this pressure to look a certain way down there. And why do we think that is? Like, why is there so much pressure to look a certain way? It's even especially down, like genitalia wise like it's probably not something that our generation would ever have thought about when we were at school so I think it's really great that sex education dealt with that my I think that's a brilliant scene as well although it made me itch everywhere including my my cavernous crevice um <laughs> that used the term vagina rather than the correct term which is vulva yeah. it's a picture of a vulva um unless somebody has um access to some kind of gynecological equipment, getting an accurate picture of an actual vagina, the inner bits, uh, is quite tricky. Although there is um, gross... Well, not grossly, I don't want to shame anyone. Um, There is a a unique sex toy on the market from a company called Svarcom, which is called the Simi Eye, which is basically a vibrator with a camera on the end that allows you to transmit a picture of your vagina and cervix to your webcam. Uh, wow. And watch yourself coming, like watch the the muscular contractions. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's probably Get quite fascinating anything. to watch, to be honest, because we don't. I mean, there's there's an episode of Sex and the City when Samantha is like, uh, Charlotte, you need to look at yourself. Like, just put a mirror down there. And she's like, oh, I couldn't do that. And why the fuck not? Because it's our own bodies. Like, why are we so grossed out by this idea of what could possibly be down there? Like, it's not a monster. It's just the vulva and the I vagina. think it's interesting. i definitely have a look. Yeah. Like whether I'd want to broadcast that to my partner. Broadcasting. Yeah. Broadcasting is a whole other thing. Yeah. Just well, looking at it for yourself. Yeah. The human body is amazing. It, re- like, it, it is really amazing. Is. I mean, that product was problematic as well because originally in the way that it was marketed, um, which I believe was in Sweden to start off with, um, there was a suggestion made that women could observe their own cervixes to notice changes or potential clues of cancer, which in, and you cannot do that unless you're a no. medical specialist and often those changes are at cellular level, yeah, like yeah. You, you need to be tested. Um, but anyway... Sarah's the deci- like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
to a doctor. <laughs> exactly. A Get thee to a GP. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, the decision was used in that scene, as I understand it, to use the phrase, it's my vagina, because so many women do say vagina when they mean vulva, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't going to be realistic to have um, a huge assembly yeah. full <laughs> of full of teenagers going, it's my vulva. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it wouldn't have resonated as well. I guess the question that I had when I watched that scene is, would events have played out the same way if it was a picture of a guy's penis? Probably not. Well, going back to your former question, which I completely rode away from in my boat of tangent um i do think that a lot of women have hang-ups about what their bits look like Mm. because we don't see depictions of vulvas anywhere not even in textbooks really do we Mm. it's all clinical diagrams um the only the only place we see them is again in porn and we know that um the porn panani is um not an accurate representation of the wonderful variety of vag that exists out there. Um, I've actually been doing a little craft project lately because I have um, a vulva puppet called Val, Valvar, uh, which I use when I'm speaking to people of all ages, actually, but it particularly works with young people or people who've been through medical or sexual trauma for whom you as working with a clinical diagram can be quite triggering mm. if they've had upsetting experiences with the police or, or in hospitals or things. And plus, if you're speaking to younger people, something that looks like a little purple pillow that they can hold and squidge is a lot less embarrassing yeah. and intimidating mm. than me standing there with a diagram yeah, going, oh, here's your urethra. Yeah, it's all medicalised um, that way as well. Yeah, so Val's yeah. a brilliant product, but... I noticed recently when I was doing a workshop uh, with Superdrug, actually, that um, both her lips are really tight. Her her inner and her outer lips are quite small and they're very symmetrical. So at the moment, I'm making a variety of um, Velcro badge curtains that I can t- I can put Love on that. and off to illustrate <laughs> that, you know, the labia majora, the outer yeah. ones and the labia minora, the inner ones, it's perfectly normal for them to have loads of different angles of dangle. They can be asymmetrical, they mm. might be frilly, they might be neat, they can be different colours. And I want to make sure that the models I'm using reflect that adequately. Have you heard of the Vagina Museum? We yeah. have. It's in Camden. Yeah, we need to go. Yeah. Is, it open? Is it open? Yeah, it's I think open it's a, now. Yeah. yeah, they're having a big launch party in November. Um, I'm on the board of, oh, of uh, advisors for that. Um, so if you see any watermelons hanging around, that's probably, <laughs> probably due to me. Um, I think Jamie McCartney, an artist, is also on the board and he made... Uh, a brilliant artwork that he termed the Great Wall of Vagina. He and I yes. both love a pun. Um, <laughs> but it was scores and scores of, of Plaster of Paris casts of women's yeah. vulvas mm-hmm. to illustrate that that They're all great different. variety. Yeah. yeah, I think we need to see more foof. Yeah, um, definitely. And it shouldn't be shameful. It's a body part. Obviously, it should. When you're teaching something like that, it needs to be in age-appropriate ways. Yeah, of course. Um, but I just, I, I think it's a travesty that so many women have hang-ups I know. about their hoo-hahs because they've only seen depict yeah. And there's a lot of shaming in everyday life as well, isn't there? That I, I, there's a lot of teasing about um, how big yeah. or how wide or how long or how, mm. how loose mm. women's mm. genitals are. To answer your question about would it be the same if it was a dick pic... I think it depends upon the dick. Um, I think if a bloke has got 
a larger penis, then there probably wouldn't be so much fuss. Although, as we've seen in sex education, having a larger appendage is it can it can literally weigh you down. <laughs> you know, it comes with expectations, doesn't it, of performance or um, I, I've spoken to men who do have larger than average willies who feel like they just become fetishized for their genitals mm. and that mm. um people don't want to know about their personality which is te- terribly mm. sad but i think if uh, a dick pic got around where it was on the more modest side then there, that there have been extremely sadly um young men driven to suicide over that kind of fear mm, over yeah, teasing awful. about their genitals um, so, although I feel like I'm trying to stick up for the men's a lot no, in this podcast, it's completely yeah, fine to do that. Yeah, like, yeah. I think one of the biggest holes in people's understanding. Of I toxic really ma- wondered where you were going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one of the biggest holes in people's understanding of toxic masculinity is that it's not just about the way that it makes men behave towards women. It's about the way that it makes men behave internally to themselves. And it's about that internalisation of those social issues and the way they perceive themselves. And that's why the biggest killer of men under 45 is suicide, Mm. because they are also struggling under the weight of toxic masculinity. So I think it's great that, you know, you're talking about this issue, because we all should, because not all men are bad. Like, that's something that we really need to talk more about. And feminism isn't about, you know anti-men but we can have waves of positivity about men too because that needs to happen yeah and um they do need to be spaces and platforms just for women too absolutely mm. but i think we all need to be talking more and all need to be talking to each other more if we want to really push things forward definitely yeah. so for the last bit of the podcast we have our knicker box raffle so this box is full of questions about life love and liberty and you can reach in and pick two Ooh. and then Answer them to the best of your ability. Are no you pressure. inviting me to put my hands in your box? Yes. Yeah. I will make sure that my nails are trimmed and that I have grabbed my tube of lube. Okay. <laughs> and asked for your consent and checked as I go along that everything is good. Okay. I'm pulling out a slip of paper. Oh, you know, on unexpected foods, we do hear sorry. about all sorts of odd things coming out of people's vaginas. Um, <laughs> I've told this story countless times, but it remains one of my all-time favourites. Um, the young woman who decided that she wanted to masturbate with something phallic to test out what it was like to have a penis-shaped, penis-sized thing inside her, didn't have any sex toys. So she decided just to um, just to go with what she could find around the house. The closest approximation of a todger she could find was a sausage, a pork sausage, but it was frozen. Oh, my goodness. And you know how if you lick a... a, a it gets a stuck. Cold, yeah. It gets stuck in there. She, like I've, I've nicknamed this the Cuntbullen sausage <laughs> because the sausage adhered to the walls of her vagina. So she did wow. the right thing, which, which was call a medical professional. Oh, God. The, what was the solution? Wait for it. The medic she decided to call was her father. <gasps> Who put her in a warm bath and melted it out before too much uh, damage was done because you wouldn't want to yank it. No. It would maybe tear. Um, But apparently he wasn't too taken aback because he'd fished out a can of deodorant from the very same orifice not too long before. So, yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, Yeah, no, I've seen a lot of that. Deodorant cans have been a a few on. What other ones have I seen? Um, Like little massage toys and you know, random stuff. I heard Sausage from is a, is a friend who is in Obgyne um, that she once had to remove a ceramic teapot lid uh, from a woman who'd been trying to use it. It's basically like a pottery diaphragm. Um, another... Wow. Ro- 
older lady um, presented to a friend who works in A&E complaining um, of irritation in her pooch. Uh, and they took about one and a half thousand pounds in rolled up banknotes oh, <laughs> out of her brilliant. vagina. Uh, oh and she uh, explained that she'd, be, she'd had it up there for safekeeping. She didn't oh believe in banks and she'd gone Christmas shopping. And every <gasps> time that she'd wanted to pay for something, she'd popped off to a quiet corner and fertled oh, a few twenties no. out of her tuppence. Yeah. That, that is, is honestly like something out of a Christmas sketch. Yeah. Like Mr. Bean's wife or something. Oh my God, that is absolutely mental. I saw I had ping pong ball. I had a ping pong ball in, in an old lady once. Oh, did you? Yeah. Do you think she was doing a no, she show? Was, she she said that she wasn't getting pleasure from her husband anymore. She was about seventy. Oh. She put a ping pong ball up there. Oh, I, I absolutely advocate for her exploring her own know, pleasure, but not as a ping pong interesting ball. Interesting choice of. Vibrators, they exist, people. They're not that expensive. Just get one. I once put a pee up my nose, if that's anything. <laughs> I was about three at the time, but I can imagine it being quite similar. Uh, well, Hello. you shouldn't put a pee up your pee pee. <laughs> oh, God. So um, that, I've got really bad writing, but that says, what legacy would you like to leave behind? I thought it said, what legally would you like to leave behind? <laughs> I thought you were asking me about my will. <laughs> What legacy would you like to leave behind? Oh, I'm probably going to go way too deep with this. Do it. Um, they are deep questions. Mm, so. They're designed that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hope that when people think about me, they laugh. Because I think one of the most important reasons that we're on earth, really, is for joy. Yeah. Um, I think laughter is one of the most pleasurable and pleasing activities that a human can indulge in. Um, and sometimes it can save us from crying or worse. So I hope that I'm associated with laughter. I actually am good friends with an artist called Mr Bingo. We used to share an office together and I not long ago purchased um, a limited edition artwork from him which is a very small concrete gravestone that says don't forget to have fun on the front of it Aww. and I keep that by my bed so that the last thing I see at night and the first thing I see in the morning is a reminder to laugh before I die mm, which sounds yeah. a bit doom and gloom but I just That's think really we do lovely. need reminders um, life can go so fast yeah, yeah. Um, let's have fun yeah let's have fun um I think before I do pop my clogs, although they won't be clogs, there'll be some killer heels. Um, I hope that I make a positive impression upon people's sex lives. Um, I get some, I'm really, I'm really privileged. I get some lovely letters from people sometimes saying everything from uh, you helped me seek um, counselling after I endured sexual trauma to I have vaginismus and I didn't know what was going on with me until mm. I heard one of your shows. Um, Just really quickly, Sarah, can you explain to our listeners what vaginismus is, please? Oh, well, yeah, basically it can it can be caused by lots of different things, but um, it's a medical condition where um, women tend to be quite tender um, vaginally, sometimes can't even have penetrative, um, you know, they can't have penetration at all in their vagina because of pain, they can seize up um, and lots of different causes for it, but um, yeah, I'm sure you can add to that as well. Alex, yeah, but... it's, when, it's when the vaginal 
passage clamps up so tightly that attempting to penetrate it with a finger or a tampon or a penis, anything, can often feel like, it's frequently described as like hitting a brick wall. Mm. Um, It can have psychological roots for some people. It can be a, a fear response or the body trying to protect itself from some perceived threat. Um, whereas in, in other cases, there's no real obvious cause for it. There's a really brilliant play called Skin a Cat by a playwright called Isley Lynn that explores some of her own personal experiences with this. Um, but yeah, I hope that I hope that I leave a legacy where I helped remove a hex from people's sex. Um, <laughs> I've been accused by some people of working in kind of a crass, uh, flippant field i think a lot of people associate sex with not being very important Mm. or being like a wink wink nudge nudge end of the pier thing and because i do use humor as a vehicle to to break the ice uh, whether or not it's surrounding a sausage or not um i think that sometimes leads people to um conclude that what i'm doing must be um unimportant Mm. or unimpactful the private messages i get say otherwise and yeah. I hope I, I hope I, uh, mm. hope no. with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. So I really hope I don't leave a legacy where anybody's genitals suffer because of me. <laughs> no, um, we are very much on board with what you're doing, Alex. And I think it's very important that, you know, humour's used or different ways of communicating and ta- opening this conversation is, is amazing. And actually that being accessible, you know, humour and, you know, talking the way you do, it does make it accessible, right? And actually... It's a part of your wellness and a part of your well-being, which we always say, you know, sexual well-being is not just physical, it's emotional, it's psychological, it's, you know, everything. So it's it's very um, important work that you're doing. I always advocate for, um, I hate the phrase because it sounds so spiky, but a multi-pronged approach to anything to do with sexu- sexuality or Absolutely. sex education um, because people learn different ways and people feel welcomed in to different spaces and different conversations. Mm. There is no one right way of delivering sex ed. And for lots of people, humour is what allows them to chill out. Yeah, and talk about yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Shall I pick another slip? Please. One more, yeah. I'll slip my hand amid the slips. Here we go. Tell us about the best date you've ever had. I hope it hasn't happened yet. Uh, I hope it's in the future but I'm really lucky to have had some lovely dates recently Um, I had a relationship end a couple of months ago which is a sad thing in many ways but I have to say it was the most respectful uh, buoyancy aid of a a relationship I've ever had in that it really um, uplifted my expectations of what is possible in love. It was a relationship where I felt utterly treated as an equal. I was respected. The communication was great. It made me realise that um, in my relationships, as in no other real part of my life, I'd been letting people get away with maltreatments that I just wouldn't stand for elsewhere. And my ex really raised the bar for me on mm. what love can look like Lovely. as an adult. So as much as it was sad that the relationship ended because we both want different futures and I think love is only a, a great gift if somebody wants to receive it. You can't, once you start forcing your desires and your adoration on somebody else, um, 
that's no longer a lovely yeah. thing. Um, so while, whilst it was sad that it ended, um, it gave me real belief. It gave me faith in something that I hadn't had much proof of in my adult life. That's um, nice. So shout out to my ex. <laughs> oh, that's a lovely yeah. way to, yeah. to end the and the oh, I didn't actually mention didn't actually mention the date. I'm trying to think what the what the best date that I've been on is. I can tell you the worst one. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, certain newspapers have those columns where they, people talk about folks they've seen on the tube or on the street mm. or something and try and connect with them. Um, I'm quite a tattooed person, and I have a little question mark uh, behind my left ear because I studied that part of the brain at university back when I used my brain oh. and had one. <laughs> Um, I swear, my capacity for withhold it with for like processing information has dropped since I was eighteen. But hey, um, and uh, I read this entry in the newspaper that said a girl on the Northern Line, and at the time I lived in in Camden, um, so I was getting the Northern Line out with a question mark tattooed behind her left ear woke me up before my stop and I was saved from missing my day at work. I'd love to take you for a drink. I, I think it said you had bright hair as well. Quite sweet. Yeah. I was freaking convinced that this was me. I was thinking, I have that tattoo. Yeah. Uh, my hair has been um, unnatural colours for longer than it has <laughs> been natural ones. I only actually know what colour my hair is, either by my roots or my pubes. <laughs> and the latter aren't always a reliable indicator either. Um, and, and you know, it's, it felt like it was the kind of thing that I definitely have done, mm. like woken people up if I'm concerned that they've dozed off uh, before their, their spot. So I got in touch with the paper and they put us in touch to text and arrange a date. And within about a minute of rocking up to the location... This man made it very obvious that I was not the right person oh. uh, and that he was highly disappointed that he got me oh, and not whoever no. it was on the northern line who was oh. making his heart sore. Um, I still stuck the day out for another two and a half hours during wow. which he revealed to me all the different martial arts he knew and the ways that he Jesus could break a person's Christ. neck or back. <laughs> yeah. Get out yeah. of there. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I've had guys promise to break my back before, but definitely in a sexual way. Like, <laughs> I didn't actually want Martial some kind heart. of spinal contusion. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. So that oh, was, well, that yeah, was a pretty bad date. That was a bad date. Yeah. And on that note, <laughs> I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us, Alex. Before we go... Where can people follow you? Where can they find you? Where can they hear more of your amazing metaphors? Oh, bless and rhyming you. couplets. Uh, I'm sure you've had enough of shit Shakespeare by now. But hey, uh, I you can find me sl- like slathered all over the internet, like digital jam, seedless, obviously. Um, at Alex Fox, A-L-I-X-F-O-X, one I, like Cyclops, not one E, like uh, somebody at a rather tame rave. Um <laughs> You can find my writing places like Stylist, uh, Cosmo, The Guardian. Um, you don't know how proud that my mum is that I've been in The Guardian Aww. and on Radio 4. I'm, I'm worth the labour now. Um, I represent a number of sex toy brands. Um, a Japanese company called Tenga who specialise in making masturbatory devices for people with penises. And I'm all up for men trying toys. I think that's a real stigma that we need to bust. Um, also, a German company called Womanizer, which I have to try really hard not to say in a German accent every time because it's so pleasing just to say Womanizer. 
who uh, were the pioneers of pleasure air technology, which is a form of um, clit stimulation that rather than using a traditional motor to like hit against the flesh, which can make some people feel a bit numb or, or a bit chafed, mm. frankly, uh, he uses tiny pulses of air to conjure up a climax. And um, my neighbours also know that that works. Um <laughs> You can see my work, hopefully, uh, in in action on Sex Education Series 2, which Yay. is about to come out. So exciting. I'm a VIP who signed an NDA, so I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I can tell you I had a lot more involvement this time. Some of the jokes are mine, so it's going to be shit this time around. <laughs> um, and and you can before. listen to me on uh, The Modern Man. If you've got a query, you can send it to me via the website modernmanwith2ends.co.uk. Two ends because it's named after the main British. Presenter, um, and you can listen to me on Radio One's Unexpected Fluids. Um, please leave nice comments because there's, if if you like it anyway, there's been a few uh, <laughs> unfortunate ones lately that say wonderful things about my co-host Riyadh, and then just go, I wish that girl with the puns would shut up. No. <laughs> Which I've, I've, we, you know, we, happens to the best of us. Alex. Yeah, we get you know that saying. What's that saying? You can be the juiciest peach in the world and there will still be someone who doesn't like peaches. You're a juicy peach, babe. Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. Well, hopefully my peach finds someone to caress it soon. One of my phrase, favourite phrases is, you cannot possibly be everyone's cup of tea. No. But for some, you can be the brew that makes their day or the cup they want to wake up to every morning. Aww. That's a good, that is a good one. That is so heartwarming. Well, I'm northern. Tea is very close to Same. my heart. So if I can have a tea-based aphorism as my motto, then... <laughs> It's about the only PG thing I do. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all we've got time for from Alex. We had a blockbuster episode that we should fit into two. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in, lovely listeners. Stay sweet. Speak soon.